Welcome to Rogue Bogues. This is the basketball series. NBA finals have all wrapped up. Got a lot to get through today. Pro, what is going on? I'm going to have to fucking hear how you're a fucking genius. Golden State in six. Bogadamas. Let's go, Bogues. Come on. <laughs> give it to me the whole thing. Hey, you were right. You had 4 1. You had 4 1. You were close. Yeah, but, you know, you enjoy being right so much more than I do. Oh, I sure so do. So I just want to get out of – yeah, I just want to get out of – I admit when I'm wrong too. I admit when I'm wrong. Like I, I definitely, yes, you do. Yes, you do. You definitely have the – you had the Warriors out in the first round. <laughs> yes, I did in the plan, but yes. <laughs> yeah, in, but, my, hey, in my receipt, My receipt's coming. My receipt's coming. Oh, from Draymond? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, we just, just had Jay Sean Tate on, so that's going to be in a separate – uh, episode after this, so make sure you catch that one, especially parents um, and kids that are struggling, going through some tough things or things aren't going their way. I think it's a really, really good story to listen to. I, re- I really enjoyed uh, chatting with Jay Sean, former teammate of mine at Sydney Kings, and just what he, what he went through to get there. I think he's yeah, he's got that um, the Mighty Ducks type story, pro. Yeah, he does. It's uh, it's pretty. It's a little sad, you know, but. It's it's just like anything else, Bogues. The guy got punched in the face, and he sort of he, he didn't feel sorry for himself. He, he he got himself up, and he he you know he had to work through it, but he got onto some great things, man. It's a he's a good kid. Um, first time I've ever spoken to him. It's a yeah, he has a good story. Give that a listen. That'll be right under this podcast episode. Let's get rolling. Congratulations to the Golden State Warriors. Uh, four championships in eight years. Amazing run. Um, to me, looking at this, uh, this championship for them and the first one are probably the most special. Uh, I think that's pretty easy to figure out. Um, I've got this championship above the ones with KD, and that's no disrespect to KD, but those the, the super team that they had for those two championships, it was expected, right? Um, this one definitely wasn't expected and the, the first one that I'll happen to be a part of wasn't expected. So congratulations to them. We'll break down game five and six and then and then have a chat about the series and, and what we think is going to happen with uh, with both teams in the offseason. Uh, a, lot, a lot that I think is going to happen with these two teams potentially as well, so with, with their salary cap is and whatnot. But um, game five, pro, um, for me, Boston won elite quarter, which was the third, and f- three horrid quarters of basketball. So Boston had uh, 39 total points in the first half and 35 in the third quarter pro. So they played a hell of a third quarter, albeit shots were falling for them, but they they grinded the game back, looked like they were in it, but I just felt like they never really had control of the game. Um, even though they got it close in the third, they might have even tied the game. Um, I think they spent so much energy getting back into that game that they lost the lead just as quick as they got back into it. But I was never, I never felt like Golden State was threatened. Um, the thing that that probably scared me most for Game Five was I don't think the Warriors played that well. I really don't. Um, you know, Steph infamously didn't didn't make a three for the first time in in Donkey's years um, in a playoff game. He was 0 for 9. He finished with 16 points. But I just don't feel like they even got out of th- third gear, the Golden State Warriors, and they still kind of pretty easily won that. So the reason why I bring that up is 
I then was like, I think they've got game six. Just the way this has played out, I think Boston are cooked. Um, the Golden State Warriors, Andrew Wiggins in this game was just beyond huge. 26 points, 13 rebounds. I think what you got from him was a bonus offensively because I think defensively he was a menace this series. He, he, he caused all, all kinds of problems for Tatum um, and, and there's no surprise as to why Tatum struggled in this series. Draymond found himself um, not eye-boggling numbers but a, a Draymond line, 8-7-6, and six, some key defensive possessions. Um, Clay had some shots for his 21. As I said, Steph struggled uh, offensively, which is the other thing. Like Steph struggled so much for them offensively this game. And they, they have eleven point lead, twelve point lead at halftime, and they cruise to victory. I'm like, well, this is danger time for, for Boston. Uh, Payton was huge off the bench, fifteen points, five rebounds, three steals. Um, so the Warriors cruise to victory in Game Five. Not overly threatened, in my opinion, for Boston. Tatum put up the best numbers. I don't think he played that well, um, but if you looked at a stat sheet, he had twenty seven and ten. But I just don't think it was that good of a game from him considering what his numbers were, if that makes sense. I think they were hollow numbers. Marcus Smart had 20 and, and Jalen Brown had 18 with a horrid shooting night. Um, as I said, I, I thought coming from this game, Boston were in trouble in game six. How, how did you see this game? Um, did you notice anything or do you agree or disagree with my points? Yeah, Bogues, I, I thought – I sort of flipped it. I thought that, you know, the way Boston was playing up to that point, up to this – at the end of this game – I thought that like anything Golden State would hit them with, they just, they, you know what? They, they just, they, they took the hit and they were able to just score at will. Tatum, Brown, Smart made a shot, Robert Williams, you know, what have you. Like, I thought that they just handled it. And then the, you know, the, the second half, you know, they just sort of, sort of started to crumble apart a little bit, the fourth quarter, especially. But I thought, I thought after this game, it was going to be, you know, I thought the Celtics would, you know, protect home court and then Golden State would take it. I've never seen a series like, well, I have probably, but like, it's funny, like after game two or three, everyone's saying Golden State doesn't have a chance. Boston's too big. It's over. And I'm, I'm terrible at picking, obviously, but like, it's, um, it was interesting how they just sort of flipped the script on Boston without an injury. You know, remember in 2010, I always talk about when the Celtics had L.A. done and Perkins got hurt and it cost him the last two. But in this game, in this series, nobody really got hurt for Boston. And they had that size advantage and they were playing so well. And, yeah, just Golden State just never quit. And Wiggins was unbelievable in game five. It just I'm happy for him because, you know, everybody, including me, were were like taking shots at him throughout his career. You know, was he really an all-star this year? Blah, blah, blah. But he really, he really came to play this series. It was it was fun to watch. It goes to also say is how is he not in you know um defensive player of the year conversations? Because he's not, I guess he's not that flashy, he's not a Marcus smart up and in your flopping, diving. He's just he's elite at what he does. He stays in front of the ball. You get by him, he's long. I mean, yeah, he, he really made a name for himself defensively. And I didn't think he was this good defensively pre this playoffs. I thought he was I thought he was a above average defender. I didn't think he he's in the elite category for me now. And um I think he really has just shown you know, situation in the NBA. Like he was just in a shitty, unprofessional situation with a bunch of young knuckleheads to an extent in his time in Minnesota. And now he's in a system that can obviously doesn't need to be that number one guy. And I think that's more suited towards his game. 
but you know he's flourished in this system. They've given him confidence. Like shoot the three ball, um, get to the rack, do your thing. We're, we're, we're rolling with you. And genius move by the Golden State Warriors front office to to move D'Angelo Russell for that. I mean, a lot of people were like, it's 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 your old saying of moving the deck chairs of the Titanic, potentially that conversation. Like, has it made a difference? Not really. D'Angelo's more talented. Wiggins probably a bit more steady on the offensive end, um, more consistent, whereas D'Angelo can get you a 50-point night or a 40-point night. But it's I think it goes down to the Warriors' mentality of uh, Kelly Oubre, um, D'Angelo, like, you know, questionable characters at times, personalities with that group. We're going to get you out of here. You're only going to have a year here and you're gone. Um, and they make those tough decisions and and – Genius, genius trade. So going on from that, we go to game six. Um, Boston come out and get off to a quick start, 14 to two. And then the game was over. It went 52 to 25 run to finish the half. So Boston are up 14-2 in the first quarter pro um, and then end up not leading at quarter time. And then, as I said, a 52 to 25 run to finish the half for the Warriors. Just an amazing turnaround. It, it looked ugly f- the Warriors, but they were kind of feeling the game out early. You know, Boston came out pumped up in the home crowd. That was it. That was all we saw from Boston as far as a punch. It was it was pretty much over from that point. Um, you felt like Boston were never, as you said, they compete and they try to keep it close, but I felt like they were never in this game post, post court, you know, maybe quarter time, half time. It just felt like the Warriors, every time Boston made that run, I think they got it to about 10 in the fourth where Al Horford hit a three, but they never felt threatened from from quarter time in my opinion where they were like, hey, Steph's got to give us one of these performances or, you know, Steph made big shots for him, but he didn't have to come down and go bang, bang, bang to keep him keep him either in the lead or keep him um, with a nice little lead. It, it just kind of naturally flowed. Everyone made big plays. Um, Boston... Tatum, uh, thirteen points, seven assists, five turnovers, six for eighteen. He was he was. I have to say, it, bro, he was horrible this game. Um, he forced a lot of shots. I don't know if you noticed this, trying to draw fouls um, that weren't there. You're not going to get those calls in a finals. Probably not even in the playoffs early early rounds where you just drive, put your head down, jump into someone, and just throw it at the hoop, hoping to get through free throws. He did that four or five times before he realized this probably isn't working tonight. Um, I thought he was really bad. Jalen Brown and Al Horford get Boston in it. Uh, without them, they would have lost by 50. I mean, Jalen Brown had 34. He came to play Al Horford. It's some big threes for them just to keep him within, you know, that 10 to, 10 to 15 range. Um, he had 19. That was it. Um, Williams was big on the defensive end again with five blocks. Boston's bench, horrific. Uh, five points total for the night combined off their bench pro. So that's, I mean, I think they just burnt out over the course of this series. I really do. I think their starters... Both both starters on both teams played high minutes. Boston a little bit more, but Boston really had nothing off the bench outside of game probably post game two, game three. Uh, White was big for him early, and then he disappeared. For the Warriors, Draymond with a Draymond-esque night, 12, 12, and eight with two threes made. His first two threes of the finals, he made them in game six. Two steals, two blocks. Uh, when he makes a three, his game opens up. Everything opens up for him. Steph thirty four seven and seven Wiggins. 18, 6, 5, 4, and 3 blocks. 4 steals, 3 blocks. Amazing, amazing night. Clay was real quiet for him. 5 for 20, 12 points. Um, but, I mean, Golden State getting the lead in the first quarter after their start, like I said, was was just amazing. I just don't think Boston had anything left in the tank. I think they were like, why? You know, how how is this team doing this to us? <laughs> we're throwing everything at them defensively. 
uh, we're wrestling, we're holding, we're grabbing, we're physical, and they just won't die. And I think this is the reason why I pat myself on the back. Why I, why I chose the Warriors because they've been through these ups and downs. They've been in series where they've been down two one, and they've come back and won four two. They've they've been in a series where they've been up three one and lost four three. So Boston still's not there yet as far as you know getting punched in the face in a final series or experiencing the highs and lows. Boston now. You know, they can only go two ways, pro, as we know. They can go and not make the finals for a number of years again, or they can be like, hey, like we really learned a lot. We're gonna we're gonna write these points down. These are these are the do's and don'ts of a final series. Can't get too high, can't get too low, and we're gonna we're gonna try to win next season. So I'm interested to see how they bounce back. But that was that was my game six, pro. What do you got? Yeah, I, I see about the same thing. Look, they I think Boston came to play, and it, it's hard, it's hard when your best player, you know, comes with 13. And look, I think Tatum's had an unbelievable year. He's one of the you know, top seven or eight players, maybe top 10 players in the league. And I think he's second or first team all NBA. I forgot what he even was, but um, yeah, he came with 13 and he had an off night and he's trying. I think he tried a little too hard, like you said, to draw fouls. He's a decent, you know, he, he draws about seven free throw attempts a game, you know, throughout his season. And, you know, he's top 10 in the league. I've been at it, but they just didn't have enough. And, when they come at you, when Golden State comes at you like that, it's tough. I mean, look, Curry was unbelievable at 34, but you know, after that, like Wiggins at 18, a couple other guys did okay. Like Draymond was decent. Clay was, you know, five for 20. It wasn't great, but uh, you're right. The bench just wasn't good enough. And I think Boston, look, hats off to Golden State. Shit, they they played, they, they just wrestled through with it the whole playoffs and, you know, earned it with Boston. Look, they got the top two players signed. You know, they're going to get them both long-term. They're good. Their bench needs to be upgraded for sure. But, you know, Derek White didn't come to play. I mean, he came to play, just didn't perform. And Grant Williams just didn't give enough. They just didn't, they're just not good enough off the bench yet. And look, they're, they're right there. I mean, they've got two stars. They've got, you know, Robert Williams and Marcus Smart that are really good defensively in you know, really good. If, if Robert Williams could stay healthy, he's going to be a very good big man for years to come. Horford, can you get another year out of Al at 37 next year? And, and can, you know, cause what he did this year was unbelievable for them, you know, going forward and golden state look like everybody had him. Everybody had him counted out and look, you got this, you got Wiggins who was just a, a found gem and, you know, Draymond, you know, Draymond after the, you know, after just letting all that stuff get to him the first few games or whatever, just sort of quieted down, played, didn't worry about the refs as much and just sort of just focused in on it and fucking got it done. And Steph was unbelievable. He's Michael Jordan-esque and, you know, in his performance in the playoffs it was great. It was great to watch. Yeah, I agree with Draymond. I think, you know, he showed up when, when he needed to um, after a poor start and that's the beauty of a seven-game series. You can you can have two or three bad games and no one, no one remembers them if your team wins and that's a prime example. Um, <clears throat> you know, we, we've had a discussion over the last couple of weeks but Steph moves into the top ten for me. I, I guess we're going to have that discussion about who we boot out but I think, you know, all-time performance, you know, he's got four of them now. Um, just amazing numbers. That game four I think solidified it for me. Um, you know when they were, when they would look like they were in some trouble. You know he, he single handedly carried them home and then flipped the series on its head. Uh, Wiggins to me, he's all he's all NBA defense. Period from here on out, um, no ifs ands or buts. I think he's going to get a whole lot more respect in that conversation. 
even even for the Dallas series with Luca and what he's done, like he's been fantastic. Paul is about to get paid. Payton, very important glue guy. Someone's uh, uh, someone will have a run at him, I think. Um, so with, with with Golden State, I guess it's you know what what do they do? Um, Wiggins is up for extension, possibly. Um, Jordan Poole, Looney um, will potentially get some offers from other teams, and Payton. Um, Got to be hard to keep them all, right, bro? I mean, the goal is, I mean, look, if the ownership really wants to just pay out of the ass with, you know, um, with luxury tax, yeah, keep try to keep them all, but it's going to be really tough. I mean, you know, going to next year, Looney, like you said, Looney free agent, I think pools get one more left and um, I think he'll be restricted in 2023. So he's good for now. But they can I would extend, say Looney, right? They can extend. Yeah, they can extend. Mm. Yep. And then Looney, Looney, I would say, probably played himself into the 15 million a year range, how he played in the playoffs. I think Wiggins, like you said, I think he could get extended. Um, you know, Wiggins is, look, you know, to just sort of talk about him for a second. Look, he was a guy that I thought was like going to be like Joe Johnson coming out of coming out of Kansas. And he was a, an elite talent. I think he underachieved. Yeah, you could say it's Minnesota a little bit, but you could say it's a little bit on him. Didn't really, wasn't focused on the defensive side, was very inconsistent shooting the ball. Um, just wasn't good enough. To, and it's really tough as a young player to carry a team, like truly carry a team. And I think going to this situation where he didn't have to be the best player and he can learn from you know, a couple of players that could carry a team every night. And then the whole culture thing that they have going on in Golden State, you know, he really hit it. I don't think he hit it until this year, you know, a little into last year. And then this year, he finally hit it. With the all-defensive thing, maybe he just didn't show it enough during the season where he was elite during the, you know, postseason. I think the biggest thing for Wiggins now is can you carry it into next year? Or is it going to be you're going to rest on this and say, you know what, you know, I've arrived? Or are you going to keep the work ethic? You're going to keep the focus. You're going to keep the preparation. I mean, he's definitely good enough to do it on both ends. I think he he also learned because everything was so fucking hard for him. Like he made it hard on 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 the game sometimes on his tough shots that he would take consistently. Fade away this, fade away that. Bad shot after bad shot. Now I think he's learned how to simplify his game. And, you know, how to put his head down and really go into a bag of tricks when he needs to. But for the most part, just play the game simple and how to shut people down defensively. So, Well, that goes I back to your conversation, to- Pro, that you, you sent to me of yourself giving a rant to those players you were working out. You mentioned him and how simple, how simple he kept it in the finals and the playoffs. It was catch, rip through. It was catch, jab, rip. It was pump fake. It was just really simple, straight line stuff. That you don't see on with Instagram trainers, right? And I think um, I think having Steph and, and Clay around him and Draymond are going to hold him accountable to this. You know, you've set the bar now. This is this is bare minimum Wiggins, so I think they'll hold him accountable. But I think he's he's had a great conversion into being simple um, and dominating simple, as the old Mike great Mike Procopio has said. <laughs> he really he really did. He, he dominated simple. He went away from he went away from like the. The fadeaways, the the, the the dream shake, the he went away from that. He, he literally went to catch. Okay, double Steph, kick to me. I'm wide open. Cat, do I have a catch and shoot three? No, I don't. Pump fake, straight line drive, layup, dunk, kick. 
and then get good offensive rebound positioning. So I thought I thought your point on that was fantastic. Yeah, I think Bogues, I think when these players figure out, like, look, if I can keep the like dream shake shit to under seven on the shot clock, and then in the flow of the game, just try to get great looks, you know, I think that you could really be productive. You could really improve your offense and you could help your team win instead of taking these tough shots and live on a, a steady diet of these tough shots. I like where Golden State is because they've got, you know, they've got their big three with Steph, Clay, and Draymond. They could they could retain Wiggins. They could retain, they got Kaminga, which you don't know what he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be pretty good. Pools, you know, they could extend pool if they want to move him in a trade, you know, down the line to try to get something back. You know, I don't know what the what the plans are financially through ownership. Can they keep him? Can they not? You're probably looking at 20 plus million bogues, would you say, for pool? Would you, you know, in the open market, close to that? Oh, you know, more, yeah, million, probably even more. Yeah, probably 20, even 25. More. Yeah, so. Isn't that Jalen Brunson sort of yep, talk? 100%. About probably probably higher ceiling, to be honest, than Jalen Brunson. Yeah. So teams will look at that like, you know, um, and there might be teams that look to just take him to get him away from Golden State. But I think they're going to have some issues trying to keep everyone. Um, I think Peyton, Peyton's earned himself some money. I think he, he can easily get that mid-level type money somewhere. Um you know, four, five, six, seven million, and yeah, Looney's a big one. If you if you think he's getting fifteens, I, I can't see him coming back. Like, I mean, that's that's a big number. Their cap's going to be, we'll we'll see. You know, these owners talk talk about a lot that if you win a championship, we're happy to overpay. Well, let's see it now because are you going to bring this same team back? Are you, you going to run it back or try to get cl- clever like a la Mark, Mark Cuban did a decade ago, and it costs you then for. You know, you don't, you don't even touch the surface of a conference finals or a chip. So I, I, I think they'll bring back most of their players, but I think, you know, Looney at 15, that's a tough one for them to, to, to keep on the books because that's, that's you know, what's that luxury tax-wise, 30, 40 million for them? So, well, it's yeah, it, it ends up being like $4 for every dollar you spend, mm. you know, on that deal. So, Bogues, you're talking at Steph at 48 million, you're talking at Clay at 40, you're talking at Wiggins 33, you're talking Draymond 25, Wiseman at nine, Kaminga at five. So right there, you're at about what 50, 90, you're at over 140 million dollars just for those guys. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, before you even think about extending Looney. You know, then you got, I mean, not that these are huge deals or anything, but then you got Damian Lee, you got Toscano Anderson. Those guys would be minimum deals. You know, Peyton, like you said, you got to pay Peyton. So one of these guys got to go. Porter's probably going to be, I would say Porter's in between minimum vet men and mid-level exception. So he's probably going to be right around there. And so, yeah, they, they've got some important decisions to make and ownership's got to say, look, do we really want to go deep into the tax with these guys? I don't know, folks. I mean, Looney's a huge part of what you're, what you did, but you gotta, I think you got to put everybody on the death chart. Who are we going to go into this tax for? You know, you're probably going for pool, although they don't have to extend them. They could, you know, he doesn't really take a hit till 2023, 24, but do you do it for Looney? You know, can you get, can you get a minimum contract guy for 2.7 or whatever the minimum is going to be? Can you get that um, and, and replace Kaminga at least 85%? I'm not Kaminga, I'm sorry, um, Looney. If you can get 85% of Looney 
through a minimum contract, do you do it versus giving him $15 million a year? Maybe he's not 15, maybe he's 10, 12, but I, I think the way he played, man, I think, and especially because there's not a lot of great free agents out there this year past Brunson and a couple others. I think that, you know, some of these teams that are going to strike out in free agency going to have this cap money and going to be like, well, we, we need a championship type player. We can't get Steph Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, Wiseman, Kaminga. Let's get the next guy on the list that we can get out of the Golden State just to you know, add to our culture or whatever. So I think he's going to probably see 12 to 15, in my opinion. But we'll see. Yeah, it will be interesting to see um, if Golden State can bring the band back together. But I think there'll be some small tweaks. I think those bench guys probably few of those guys who know that they come back. Um, interesting to see if Wiggins takes not a cheaper deal but an extension at a lower number than what he's on now to stay. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, does he say, oh, I, I don't know, I don't see him as a guy with huge spending habits where an extra $5 million is going to make a huge difference for him, but I could be wrong. But um, that'll be the other thing to see what direction they go. But, um, I mean, they're definitely in a good spot and no one at a small level being involved with the Sydney Kings. When you win a championship, the Vultures come out and they try to poach. So... Um, and even so, some teams will strategically do it just to try to make you pay more. Um, we've seen that before as well. We're like, we kind of like this player. We'd love to have him. Let's throw out this offer, knowing that they can't lose him. Um, and then I think Paul's in that boat where he can't get it. He can't get an offer from another team this season. But they know if they let him go to free agency, um, it's probably going to be more than what they what, what they can get him for with an extension. So. I'll be interested to see even Paul's mindset of does he potentially want to go somewhere out of Stephen Clay shadow? That could be the other thing. I don't know his personality or what he's like. It seems like it fits in well, but he's young. He's going to have an agent in his ear. He's going to have family. Like you can be the man at, you know, if you go here or go there or you could be the man there and the number one guy, you could be the Steph of that team. Maybe that gets to his head. He's got his chip now, house money. So that could also happen. So we'll see. All right, Boston, run it back, pro. Um you know, we, we touched on that. They need some bench scoring. I think White's not the ultimate solution. He's not a pure bench scorer. He's a, probably does a, a little bit more than just score, but he's not a all-in, get-your-buckets-off-the-bench. Um, and we talk about the Tyler Hero, the, the Jordan Clarksons of the world. They've got to find someone along those lines, I think, for that bench punch. Um, uh, and I think... You know, that's where they probably get over the Golden State Warriors or potentially make it a seven-game series if they just had a little bit more off that bench. They're pretty much bringing the band back together. Al Horford, can they can they can waive him, but they would still owe him 19 out of the 26 million. So it'd, it'd be it'd be they're bringing him back 100%. I think they're bringing him back just from the, you know, regardless of what he can bring. I think even at 18 minutes a night, he's invaluable for him, especially the way he's shooting the three ball now. Um you can just put him in that corner and really space the floor with an active five-man defensive end. I thought he was very, very good defensively in the one through five switches, as good as you can be. He was stuck out in Steph a lot, um, and I think he did it at a decent level. It, you know, it is Steph. Let's not forget so he's going to score on most people, but I thought he was pretty – moved pretty well considering his age and, and the one through five matchups. Um, do Boston keep the big lineup all next season? Um, do they make a tweak to that? Maybe they bring in – a four that can probably shoot the ball a little bit better than, um, sorry, a, a four slash five that they can put next to Horford at times, put Horford to the five and maybe, you know, someone that can just feet set three from, from the four spot. Uh, that could be the, because Williams was really consistent for him shooting the ball from three. Um, he really he had, he had a couple of good games against Brooklyn, but um, didn't really have, Sorry, against uh, even Miami, he had that one game where he, where he closed it out for him, but he wasn't really consistent from, from three for him. But uh, 
What do you see with Boston? Well, Bogues, they're going to have some salary issues as well. Horford's deal was a little bit funny. The one he he signed, he was a, 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 a initially he was only guaranteed 14-5. If he made the finals, it goes up to 19-5. If he won the finals, he would have been fully guaranteed. It was a stipulation in his contract. I just thought that was a pretty funny thing. But the thing with Horford is, like, I would waive him if he was non-guaranteed or two and a half guaranteed or three, but he's guaranteed 19. You don't really save a lot on the deal. Pointless. Right now you get, yeah, you get Tatum at 30. You get him at basically 20. You get Jalen Brown at 27. You get Derek White at 16. You get Marcus Smart at 17. Dice is eight, 8.7. And Robert Williams is 10. So now you're looking at 60, 90, you're looking at close to 130 million through all those guys. So it's going to be hard to get. You'll probably get taxpayers mid level. Um, I think it's like five, five, or six. So it's not the full mid level. So the, it's going to be harder for them to add talent than it is, you know, a regular team that has cap room. Um, that's going to be a little bit of a challenge for them. Grant Williams had a great year for him as far as like what you expect from him. You know, he shot the ball very well, 41 from three, just didn't get it done in the playoffs. Like you said, they definitely need they definitely need bench help. They just don't have enough. They don't have enough to beat an elite team. Well, they I mean, they did beat some teams in the playoffs, let's be honest. Like Miami, Milwaukee, those are two really good teams, but they they were hurting too. They didn't have, one didn't have Middleton. I'm not trying to cause a story or a stink here, but you know, one didn't have Middleton. Um, you know, Hero didn't play in, in the majority of that series, you know, in the Miami series. But they did beat and grind out a lot, and they played great in the second half. I think it's going to be hard for them. I do like to – like they don't really have a lot of tradable assets. You're not going to trade Brown and Tatum. You're going to keep those guys together. Horford, is, you're not going to get much if you traded Horford. I think Robert Williams is your center for the future. And then, like, players off the bench, Pritchard, White, Naismith, Williams, Dice, those guys are not getting you pieces in trades, in my opinion. They could get you picks. They could get you this or that, but they're not going to get you anything that can really get you over the hump. So they're going to have to use that veteran mid-level. You know, they're going to have to try to find a diamond in the rough, in my opinion, you know, try to try to draft somebody. I don't think they have a first-round pick in this year's draft. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be challenging. But, they, I look, they got, they've got one of the best coaches in basketball in Adoka. They've got – you know, Jalen Brown and Tatum together. They've got really good, you know, grinded out players like Smart, Horford, and Williams, um, Robert Williams. So they do have a, a decent nucleus. It's how do you expand it? How do you get that second unit to really help you out and try to upgrade that? And that's going to be challenging, but that's why that's why those guys get eight, nine, you know, seven, eight, nine million dollars a year, you know, to fucking figure that shit out. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, one guy I've got. You know, he's contracted next season, but Terrence Ross would be good for them, I think, off the bench. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. He is contracted. He's on a sucky Orlando team, buyout material maybe, um, come on a team-friendly deal halfway through the season. I mean, that's a guy I would circle if I was Boston. That'd be a great bench punch for him. A guy that hasn't won really. He's getting older in, in years. Um Someone like that I think would be good for him. Just someone that can give him some life off the bench. Someone that, you know, Tatum's not shooting it well, Brown's struggling, 
throw him in there and he can get you a quick 20. Um, I think they need someone like that. So just a random name I was looking at, but he is contracted next season for 11.5. But as we know, you know, this Orlando's in a full rebuild right now. They'll want to get, you know, uh, sug more minutes and a few other guys um, in, in uh, who's a young guy, Wagner as well. So similar positions to Ross. So I don't think he plays a whole lot more there and it could be a situation where he either, he's either bought out leading up to the season or, or potentially they'll bring him in and um, – buy him out halfway through the season, he can latch onto a Boston. So that's just a random name I've got there. But uh, yeah, Boston and Golden State will, will have some some issues tweaking their roster too much other than what they've already got just just from the way it's it all pans out salary cap-wise and we'll see if the Warriors are willing to spend $100, $200 million to try and bring this band back together in taxes. So <laughs> the big that's check. That'd be one hell of a band, Bogues. <laughs> one hell of a band, that's right. Um, but... Once again, congratulations to the Golden State Warriors. Not many people had them picked. Um, it's been good to see. I think it was a, a great final series, even though it only went six. Very swingy series, as you said. It was, you know, Boston's got it. This is all over after the first couple of games. And for a guy that's been there, I was like, not as easy as that. It's still going to have to be a fight and it ends up going Golden State's way. So congratulations to them. All right, moving on to some news. Just before we <coughs> were about to hit, uh, Kenny Atkinson backflips out of the Charlotte deal, bro. Um, so... We had a pretty in-depth discussion about this last week, so circle back to that. We had some reservations about it, mainly he's an old-school type, call it as he sees it, likes conflict and confrontation if it needs be, with a young group in Charlotte. Doesn't really fit too well, we thought, but he's pulled out and said, I'm going back to to the Golden State Warriors. Uh, there's a thought process of, you know, Mike Brown's gone, does he get a nice pay bump, or did he just come to his senses and think, holy shit, I'm going into a kind of a, a little bit of a interesting roster with these young guys, pro. How do you see it? You know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to like quote what I, what he did or what he, like what he's thinking. Cause I don't know, but what I'm seeing is look, won a championship. Maybe after game two, when you didn't think you're going to win a championship, maybe you're like, Oh fuck. Now we're going to have to go through this another year. You know, this is your know, Charlotte offered me this job. I have something done. Um, you know, let's just go. Let me do the Charlotte deal. I mean, these these only thirty of these jobs. It's not like these jobs are coming every day. And let me just take this. They got a young player. I, I'm probably going to have to butt heads with. It's going to be a pain in the ass every day. You know, let me do that. Well, I'll do it though because it's a job. It's an NBA. It's an NBA head coaching job. Then you win a championship. And now ownership probably like they probably were feeling a little bit of pressure. I don't care what they say now. They probably after game two when everyone's saying, oh, Boston's too good. They're too big. They're too young, blah, blah, blah. They're probably saying, oh, fuck, you know, blah, blah, blah. you know, I don't know what we're going to do. Then they win it. And then Mike Brown leaves, you know, Mike Brown was going to leave anywhere to sack and probably said, Hey, Kenny, you want to stay for a million five or 2 million be our head, head assistant. Because I think Mike Brown was the head assistant, if I'm not mistaken. And, yeah, he probably said, well, let me see. Now we win it. We're revitalized, even though we have the same team, but everybody's going to look at us in a different light because we won it. We're going to probably be the favorites coming back. Now I don't have, now I, I don't have to butt heads with, you know, do I really want to butt heads with fucking ball every day? That It's going to be a pain in the ass. I'm a hard ass myself. 
It's going to be a struggle. I don't want to fucking, you know, this guy turns it over three times in the first quarter. I take him out and he's going to be looking at me like I'm fucking crazy. Do I really want to deal with that shit every fucking day for, you know, four years of my contract? I'll, you know, I'm probably going to get fired after two and a half. Do I really want to deal with that? Or do I reshuffle the deck, roll the dice again on this team? Because we're probably going to win it again next year if we're healthy and all that stuff. And then I can get a better job. Fuck yeah, I'm going on that train. Like, yeah, let me do that. You know, because I don't want to deal with this. And I think that that's, I think in my opinion, if I had a guess, that was the, that was the thought process. He didn't want to butt heads with, with ball because ball is extremely hard to coach. You know, not extremely hard, but like it's, it's, you know, if you watch them last year, it was a struggle for their coach. Every time he took him out, he, like, you saw the, the, the TikToks or whatever the fuck they put him on of like, yo, ball just putting his head in the air, rolling his eyes, not even looking at him, going back at him. You know, I've been there. I, I understand that with a young player who thinks he's like that. And it's hard. And Play is though, bro. It's not just ball. Yeah. Like, they got a they got a squad that's that into those antics and it's still wrestling for limelight, right? Um so I don't think it's just ball. I think he's definitely there. The elephant in the room, but I think they've got a lot of you know Ubre Junior and Bridges and Harrell is notorious for it now. Um, never happy with his role the last couple of seasons, so I just wonder if he has already comes back for those reasons, but also knows that there's potentially another job opening up next season um, after next season or or on the nose, like someone's you know someone could have said to him, "Hey, we you know we're probably going to have an opening at the end of this coach's contract," or We've, we've given him another chance, but we don't think it's going to work out. That, that could also happen as well. Um, but, yeah, I think he just came to his senses about – sometimes we've discussed this, taking a head coaching job just to take it because you haven't had an opportunity for a while. Can all can, 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 As stupid as this sounds, hurt you more than it helps you because you're going to a shit show of a situation that then tarnishes your record as a coach and, and, and your prowess as a coach and then, then you got to grind for another 15 years to get another job. So – I think it's probably a smart move if he had reservations, but just interesting that it happened so quickly. And I definitely know some people that were in the running, who I won't mention, to, to be on his assistant staff as well, which changes what they're doing now. So um, anyway, the Lakers have brought on NBL player Chris Jen as a head assistant pro. So Chris Jen, the reason why I bring this up, he was a former NBL star for, for a season over here in the NBL. Really, really fun player to watch. He played for my favorite team at the time, the North Melbourne Giants. So... The Lakers have brought him on. He's had a pretty good rap as a, as a head assistant around the league. People saying he's kind of should be next in line for a head coaching job down the line. So, um, good hiring. Yeah, Chris Chen. I mean, look, you know, he was around LeBron early on in his career. Um, he's been an assistant coach a long time. He's been around the league. He's been in college. Uh, he's very well respected. He's a tough kid, a tough guy. Um, you know, I never really – I saw him play a lot at Ohio State. He played with Jimmy Jackson. They had a great team, a very good team in the in the early 90s at Ohio State. And the the clip you sent me, he, look, he sort of looked like – he's crazy playing over there. Like, he looked like um, – yeah, if you ever see Mark, uh, Mark Wahlberg's movie, The Fighter, when he was that fighter with that, like, crazy, drugged-out brother, like the nutty brother. He looked like the nutty brother playing over there, like <laughs> antics, like Jason Williams a little bit, you know, uh, white chocolate. But, uh, yeah, he's a good guy, very knowledgeable, been around the league a long time. Probably maybe things were getting a little stale in Atlanta, plus he gets to be the head assistant. Um, 
Sure. Why not? I think Darvin Ham's a good guy to work for. I, I, you know, I respect him a ton. Good hire for sure. I, I think it's a good hire. Yeah, I like it. A bit of a uh, smart hiring from the Lakers. So you like, you like to see that. All right. There was a trade over the last week, which is interesting. Uh, Christian Wood to Dallas for pick 26, Boban, Marjanovic, Trey Burke, Sterling Brown, and Marquise Chris. So essentially, a the 26 pick the other the other four guys no disrespect to them but but non guarantees and, and journeymen and guys that probably aren't going to play a lot or at least be in your eight nine rotation so it's essentially for 26 now Christian Wood unbelievable talent uh, great games for the Houston Rockets uh, even you know previous stops dominated the G League even when you were involved down there but I think this is question marks on his character or his personality because they've they've you know they basically got rid of a guy that was huge for them last season, I think was was had some really, really big games, big numbers, can shoot the three, block shots, can rebound, can bring the ball up, whatever you want him to do. Um, but when I see this, I'm like, I think they're just like, you know what, not not good for our culture, not good for our locker room. I could be wrong, but this is what this looks like to me, bro. I don't know. I don't know about you. Yeah, Bogues, it, it's an interesting trade for sure. Um, yeah. You get this guy in his last year of his deal. Um, I think he signed like a $40 million deal or something. It's like 11 or something like that. So you don't, you know, you get this guy, you put up points, questionable character, questionable work ethic, um, doesn't show up a lot. You know, one of those guys that probably people are saying that he put up points on a bad team. He really wasn't, you know, he's not a guy that you would build around um, for, you know, I think these picks are important. I think as you're looking at this going forward, you got to evaluate, is this guy someone that we could build around and someone that's going to be a good player going forward for us and he's going to be our type of guy? And then you're looking at Dallas who needs talent. They have don't have a lot of money to spend. They have to re-sign Jalen Brunson. So they say, look, we can't really acquire all this talent. It's going to be really tough for us. I don't think the sign and trade market, you don't know what you're going to do with Brunson yet. So the sign and trade talks aren't really in there yet. Obviously, you're a few weeks away from that. So if you're not going to re-sign Brunson. So basically, you're going to say, is the pick worth it? Because you trade Boban, great guy everybody loves. You trade Marquis Chris, you trade Burks, you know, Trey Burks. So you don't trade a lot of talent going out the door as far as production points per game-wise or what stat-wise for you. So you didn't really give up a lot, but you did give up the 26 pick. And look, the 26 pick, I mean, look, it's going to be tough to get an NBA All-Star at 26, but you could get something out of 26. So um, I think for Dallas, they're going to get like a JaVel McGee-type talent. He could probably shoot better than JaVel, of course, but he's like that. He's like he's a, a rough around the edges as far as – as far as like motivating him to be consistent every night, he's a talent. They need, they need a role threat, a bigger role threat, a more offensively minded player at the five. They get that, but can they turn it around? Look, they've, they, you know, Marquise Chris was a disaster in his career until he got to Dallas. They actually turned him into a pretty good productive player. They've got great role players and they've got great leadership. They got a great coach. They could all sort of maybe, maybe turn them into something productive. And then you get a cheap player that maybe you could get $20 million in value for in production. And you only had to spend $11 million in a draft pick for, um, it's a low risk for Dallas. Why not throw it out there? 
And, you know, Luke is one of those types of players that's going to, they're not going to ISO him on the block. They're not going to give it to him early in a possession. They're going to roll him to the rim. They're going to, you know, Luke is going to force a double team and dish to him for duckins and you know, dunker roll, you know, dunker spot stuff and open shots. So he doesn't have to be a guy that carries him. All he has to do is probably put up 15 and 10 and, you know, a block and a half. And that's, that's what he needs to do. Um, not a huge fan of the guy. I don't think he works. I don't think he's a culture guy. But in the right environment, we saw it with Wiggins and Golden State. Maybe maybe a, a light flicks, a switch flips, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, I would bet against it. But, hey, look, low risk. He's on a, he's last year of his deal. You can get rid of him. Or you could sign him long-term after the year if, if he does anything. So what do you think about it, Bogues? Oh, he's, he's bouncing around for a reason. But, look, to, to give up. Pick twenty six essentially to a guy that is averaging average seven eighteen and ten last season pro with thirty nine percent from three. I don't see any other reason why why he'd be gone. And he's he's been what is this one two three four five six seven eight nine ninth team. Um, it's 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 questionable as to what's going on. There's obviously some issues, and I think it's more the mental makeup. I think his talent is. Can't question his talent and his ability. I think he'll be huge. He can be good for Dallas because I think not only can he roll, I think you can roll him Al Horford esque and then roll him and get him out of the paint to the corner at the three and clean up that paint for Luca to go downhill and get that big out of there, which they can't do when Powell's in the game, right? And it still gives you rebounding. So you're not losing. You know, a lot of times when you have a three point shooting big, generally not as physical, um, the three point shooting bigs. And this guy's. A, almost 40% from three and getting you 10 boards a night. So I think it's a good move for Dallas. There is a risk there though, you know, and I, I just, I think at this point, you know, he'd have to look at himself and say, I've, I've now, I'm now on my eighth team in 10 years. Uh, I got to look at myself in the mirror and I, I think Dallas being a conference finals team, potential to go to the finals next season or be in the mix are not going to tolerate BS. Um, so I think he's got to buy in and he's he's going into a contract year. So I think there's 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 a lot of leverage there with Dallas, there's a lot of buttons they can push if it's not going their way and just be like, hey, man, you're going into a contract year the year after. Do you want us to waive you halfway through the year and let, let the league know that you're a shithead? Because um, it's going to hurt your value even though you put up 18 and 10 last season. So I think that it's a good, it's a decent move for Dallas. There is some risk there, but I don't, I don't think there's enough. Um, there's no there's no other real bad guys in that Dallas locker room that, Chris, that, that, that if things did go sideways that he can go and power to. Um, as we know in NBA locker rooms, if there's one or two bad guys and they form a coalition with another two or three bad guys, you've got issues because you've got four or five guys that are, you know, the wrong mindset, wrong attitude, right? Um, whereas he, you know, there's no one else uh, to go in that locker room. I think they've got a pretty good bunch of guys. So, And excuse me, I think it's six teams in, what is it, six teams in eight years. So going to his seventh. But um yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it pans out. I, I like it looking at X's and O's if he buys into, you know, just being able to provide a bit more kind of uh, spacing for that Dallas Mavericks team. I think that's a good thing. So we will we will see how that goes. Um, Montrez Harrell, ready to smoke it up, bro. Ready to smoke it up. <laughs> I don't like talking about this shit too much, but I thought I'd mention it. He was arrested with three pounds of weed in a traffic stop. You know, <laughs> there's the debate. This is the the, the Brittany Griner debate. <laughs> around the weed should be legal anyway, what does it matter? The problem with the three pounds was, I guarantee it was all for him because he's 
you know, he likes to smoke. But the numbers now hit with an intent to distribute, which is heavy jail time. Um, I mean, it comes down to knowing, know the law. The law sucks, yes. we. I, I believe weed should be legal. I believe you should be able to smoke just like you can drink. Um, I think it's, you know, I've never met a person that's high that's trying to, you know, be violent or cause problems. <laughs> that's a separate discussion that people can't differentiate from the current discussion. At the time of where he was found with weed, it's illegal. And on top of that, you've got enough to put you in jail for a long, long time, bro. So I think you got to put some onus on the adult in Montrose Herald to know the law and not be silly. Um, but he, he could be facing some jail time, bro. I doubt he gets it. Um, you, you know. well, folks, in this country, you could have a bazooka on you these days and you won't get prosecuted. So it's not really, a, you know, he won't get prosecuted most likely. Um, I agree with you. It probably should be legal, but not when you're carrying as much as nine Christmas trees in your fucking vehicle. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know, like, come on. I mean, there's, there's, and, there's a lot. And he's not, there's no intent to distribute. I mean, the guy's an NBA star. I doubt he's dealing drugs as his side gig in the off season. Yes, it should be legal, but I, I agree. It's just like, what are you doing, dude? Like, at least have a fall guy with you. Like, have your buddy hold it for you in the passenger seat. Right. <laughs> This isn't an episode of The Wire. He ain't fucking, you know, he ain't he ain't in The Wire right now. You know, there's no, uh, you know, there's no, um, there's, I don't think he's distributing, but I don't know. I don't care. Um, the thing about him, too, same thing with the Christian Wood situation, the game of basketball is going to move on with or without him. And you got to fucking, you got to smart the fuck up, seriously. Like, you know, he's been on a few teams. He's got some talent. He's put up some numbers in the league, but you know you don't want to start this road of, of of things again. I don't know anything about this case. I read a little bit. I, I saw the headline of it. Um, you and I discussed it briefly. I don't know much about it, but come on, man. Like, know the if you respect the law, or you don't. Whatever, but like, it's a law, fucking law is a law, and you got to know it. Whatever, but exactly. There's hey, a bunch. Man. There's a bunch of laws you and I probably both think of absolutely stupid, but. I also know that if I go and break that stupid law, I'm going to be in trouble. Like one, like you, you travel to Bali and you're caught with drugs, yeah. like it can be it can be death sentence. It can be life in prison. So you best know that state's laws, the city's laws, the country's laws of where you're traveling. Whether the laws make sense or not or whether, like I said, people, oh, weed should be legal. But yeah, I agree. But in that state, it wasn't the time. So just, just really silly. And maybe, hey, conspiracy theory, Kenny A., He's like, oh, I can't go there. It's just another, another little, uh, little bow in his, you know, another little arrow in his bow that said, ah, oh, Charlotte's not for me. So that could be the conspiracy theory, pro. He just doesn't like a, a too high Montrez <laughs> Harrell. All right, the Warriors have receipts, pro. Um, now they're going at everyone, and I, I like it. <laughs> Here's why: I think yes, it is a little bit petty at times. Yes. All that stuff. When you're when you're champions, you have the right to be petty, and I, I like them going back at people that have gone at him. And there were some disrespectful things that said to them throughout the season, to Steph, to his wife, to Draymond, to this, to that. And I've enjoyed the the roller coaster of of all the receipts that mainly Draymond Green has pulled out, but even Steph, um, very some very quirky stuff along the way. But uh, have you seen all these, pro? I did. I did. I saw. Um... What's your favorite? I saw Steph give the zero. Oh, the, the zero for sure. For me, the zero the for sure. But, <laughs> yeah, but I'll tell you what, though. Clay's funnier than shit, too. Like, 
He oh, just man. doesn't care. He went yeah, at uh, how funny is he that? He went too, at Jaron right? Jackson, didn't he? He did. Oof. He did. No, no. Was it Jackson or was it like Bain or something? No, I think it was Jackson. Was one, it was Jackson that tweeted strengthening yeah. numbers after they beat him in the regular season. And, and you could just see Clay's <laughs> reliving it in real time. Like, hey, oh, I remember this yeah. guy. That was great. Great. <laughs> that yeah, was awesome. The Draymond shirt. I, Stole one of their yeah. shirts from the arena and wrote eighteen. Nope. Yeah, two thousand twenty-three. <laughs> yeah, no. I, uh, you know what? Like, I think Clay. I don't know him at all, but like, he seems like he's one of the top ten funniest motherfuckers in the whole league. He just seems like he's a funny, but dude not by design. Like he's like yeah. half. That's the thing I love about, about him. Half the time he's he's got a great sense of humor, but half the time he's not trying to be funny. He's just like being himself. Like he's not trying to put it on for the boys to make you laugh. He's just like being himself, and it just makes you laugh because it's so great. Um, but I've How enjoyed about when he was riding around New York. That that's the funniest thing I've ever seen. When they he interviewed did. him when he was rad, riding around New York, and he was uh, and they interviewed him about the scaffolding in New York. Did you remember that one? Yeah, and the did reporter didn't know it was Clay Thompson. Thought it was a regular dude oh, walking God, down the street. So and he just gave, and he just gave the interview about the scaffold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's funny as shit, man. He's funny. Oh, he's great. He's great. So I enjoy the receipts. Hopefully, we keep more of those coming. Now, so I saw this just as I was putting the run sheet together. Former teammate of mine, Jonas Jerubko from Sweden, ex NBA player, played for Detroit, played with Golden State Warriors. Year we, we lost to uh, Toronto. I, I enjoyed being around him. Was a good teammate. Anyhow, he I missed this a couple of months ago. He signed with CSKA Moscow. Um, well, anyway, he has quit the team now. Uh, less than three months after his controversial decision to join the organization amid international condemnation of Russia. Get this, the Swedish Basketball Federation back then cut Jerebko from the national squad at the end of March and has basically said, like, you're no longer involved with Sweden, Swedish basketball over his against the federation's values and our very clear stance towards Russia. Over the over the invasion of, of of Ukraine, I think this is horrendous by Sweden. I mean, this is one of their this. I have to do my research, but I rec- I think he's their best player, to, the best player to ever come out of Sweden, um, NBA wise, uh, Swedish born. Uh, real always went back and loved playing for his national team, even in like the the lowly qualifiers. So you know, Sweden's always in those qualifiers. It's first start. Hey, folks, of, folks, yo. folks, stop, stop. Sweden couldn't medal. In the Swedish Olympics in basketball, okay? So I don't know what the fuck they're thinking about. The guy tried to make money for him and his family. I know the guy. I work with him. He, 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 spent, a, he spent an offseason with us at Grover. They couldn't medal in the Swedish Olympics. So why are you busting this guy's fucking balls that he wanted to play for one of the best clubs in the fucking world in Seska Moscow and make money and, and prolong his career? And now you're going to bust the fucking guy's balls. I mean, that's my opinion. They could do what the fuck they want, but come on, man. That I agree, that, but he's yeah. he, he's my point to where they play. You know, they they start in like when it's like the top two hundred euro. <laughs> not there's not two hundred European countries, but making it up, right? And they got to work through that low end of the bracket to even make the top sixty and then the top thirty, right? He play he'd play in those games, and now you're gonna shit on him because he wants to go and play in Russia because of some political spat that's got nothing to do with athlete or basketball. It's such a joke. Like it's. Uh, this, this whole Russia-Ukraine thing, it's like, doesn't mean he supports the war. He's just going to earn a good living because, and he's at the end of his career. He's mid, mid, mid to late 30s. So he's like, hey, I've got, they just offered me 500,000 euro. I could really do that for, for retirement or for whatever reason. I'll go play for three or four months. And they've, they've waived him from, from the national team. Swedish, Swedish Basketball Federation get in the bin. That is an absolute joke. So 
Not a fan of I that. I mean, nobody bust. Hey, nobody bust the head of the Swedish basketball taking all those kickbacks for fucking the last ten years. Now you're gonna bust this guy's balls for making five hundred, five hundred thousand euro. Exactly. Fuck out of here. Yeah. Well, whilst yeah. he's whilst he's playing for you, risking injury to potentially hinder his his professional career, um, which I'm sure Sweden weren't paying him to play for the national team. He was doing it because he loved oh, playing fuck. for his country. So, and they'll, they'll pay him in chocolate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Chocolate or, or Swedish massages. Uh, NBL yeah. Australia, Andrew Gaze has been elevated by Basketball Australia to legend status. So congratulations to Gaze. Pretty much a no-brainer pro. Um, I think I think our podcast episode set him to that path. Basketball Australia finally, question. finally woke up and made him legend status. This one's hey, interesting. Hey, Gazy, you're yeah. fucking welcome, Gazy, okay? <laughs> you're fucking welcome, you asshole. But go ahead. Corey Webster of Perth. I don't know if you know who this is, pro, but he... New Zealand national, very, very talented scorer. He signed with the Perth Wildcats a number of years ago. And between signing with the Perth Wildcats in the offseason and getting to Perth a couple of months later, he then received another offer from a Euro club at way more money and he bailed on Perth. So not a lot of love for uh, Corey Webster in Perth, albeit he was part of the New Zealand Breakers team. There was a period in the mid-2000s where... I think three grand finals in a row were Perth versus New Zealand and New Zealand won three straight. He was part of that squad, so he was already kind of not well-liked, but they were like, oh, well, that's okay. We're getting a great player. Anyway, he's re-signed with them. And big signing for them, I think, off the bench gives them a scoring push. But what I found interesting about this was, so he did a, a his press conference via Zoom because he's obviously in New, in, in, uh, in New Zealand. And I'm not even going to mention the reporter's name, but the reporter that, started this interview off by just absolutely grilling this kid. And you're just like, you know, I would argue a question about him leaving last time would probably be a third or fourth question. So you'd be like, congratulations, you know, how did you get here? Why did you sign here? Do you like the coach? What do you know about the – and then the fourth one you hit him with like, well, you know, are, are you sure you're staying this time? This reporter pro went at him four straight questions off the top, was just like – yeah, uh, how do we know you're actually going to show up this time? <laughs> and Corey's like, answered it, you know, look, I'm committed, something came up then, I couldn't pass down that off, turn down that off, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 you need to give us assurances that you're going to, and just kept going with it. And you're just like, dude, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, this is, you know, albeit there's a rough history there, this kid just signed with your club, supposed to be a great player, and this guy was just grilling him, man. It was... It was hard to watch, so I think that reporter needs to get in the bin, but um, very, uh, very, very interesting one. Yeah, maybe you could, maybe you could work for Sweden in this fucking federation. You know, so maybe, maybe fitting, you go there. Fitting really well. Uh, Gary Brown has signed in southeast Melbourne. I don't know too much about him. Uh, Derek Pardon has signed with the New Zealand Breakers. Uh, I'm not sure if you know him, Pro, but he was 14-9 in the Israeli league for Habol Beardashiva. He's a 203 centimeter five man though, pro. So uh, not not that tall. What's that? Six seven, if that. Uh, six eight. So an undersized four, but five, but um, put up pretty good numbers in the Israeli league. So that's all I've really got NBL wise right now. It's been pretty quiet for the most part. So we'll continue to watch that space. But pro, remember, you got to download the Dabble app. It's oh where, nice. Yeah, it's where. Betting meets social media. I've told you all before. If you haven't downloaded it, what are you waiting for? On Dabble, you can follow me, your friends, um, people you hate, people you like, stalk the expert, uh, trending tipsters. You can one-click um, 
put bets to your account just by following someone. So, you know, you see something that someone likes, a parlay or a, or a multi as we call them in Australia or like that, I can just instant copy that bet to my account um, and you can also get alerts when when your friends and other tipsters are placing bets. There is a chat forum on there that you can go and banter, um, talk shit. I jump on there every now and then. I almost got one right, Pro. I had a seven or eight leg multi, um, Golden State versus Boston and Kevon Looney. All he needed was five points, Pro. He didn't get it. Um, I went with a massive role player game six victory and had everything right. I had Wiggins 14 plus, I had Otto Porter 5 plus, I had Gary Payton 5 plus. Like all the role players I thought would all have a bit of a nice run and Looney just couldn't put it in the hole for me. So um, anyway, go on and download the app, have a dabble, dabble socially, but remember you must gamble responsibly. We appreciate them sponsoring the podcast pro and paying a few of the bills. Yeah, I got no space left on my phone. It's either download dabble or, or get rid of the Hershey's virtual chocolate bar experience. So I'm, I'm not ready to, to get rid of it, but you know what? If I do, I'll dabble socially. I'll dabble socially. And yes, I don't think it's available internationally yet. So you're, you're safe right now, Pro. But the minute it is, it better, nice. be, it better be on your phone. All right, useful or useless. Got a few this week that I liked. So I will uh, get started with these. The Warriors are 19-1 and one Pro when Draymond Green made a three this season. Useful or useless? I think it's useless, but I think Steve Kerr should have every quarter and uh, beginning a quarter, beginning a gameplay for a fucking Draymond three for the rest of his career. But no, I, I think it's I think it's one of those things that hey, if you you know, it's sort of random. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, it's random. There you yeah, go. Yeah, I think That's it's useless. Useless, but, but more pretty. Than, I think pretty cool. Nineteen and one. Yeah, but I think it does make a difference when he's confident offensively, and there's no doubt. When he makes a three, it opens up his game. I think he just he just feels better about it. Oh, whew, deep breath, I've made that three or that jumper. And I think his offensive game opens up even more. He's driving, he's cutting, he's fake handoffing. When he's when he's struggling to shoot it from three, I think it takes away a little bit from his offensive game. And he obviously made, you know, of course made two in that in that in that closer. So um, I think it's important, but it is it is pretty much use, useless um, as far as stat. Steve Kerr has won, Pro, 33% of the last 27 finals. Useful or useless? Yeah, it's pretty fucking useful, actually. I, I mean, come on. I mean, obviously he's victim of his talent that he has in his team, that he, in his, the teams that he played with, but it says a lot about at least him being a winner. So I don't know. Now that I'm fucking thinking about it, yeah, yeah it's pretty – I mean, 27% is pretty good, but he did play on some great fucking teams and he wasn't a go-to guy there. So – and then he's coaching a team that literally has Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer on it, but it's still hard to do. So I will give him – I'll give him – just like Phil Jackson, I'll give him credit for that too. I will say useful. Yeah, I'll say useful just based on the number, but yeah, of course. MJ had a little bit to do with it. Steph Curry did as well. But Steve was pretty big in that uh, Spurs run in, in that game against, was it Dallas when they were looked down and out? Dallas zoned him. And yeah, he, he, came, made, he made a bunch of fucking shots. like five threes in that quarter. <laughs> yeah. So I love, yeah. I did love watching the motherfucker play. I mean, he could really shoot. When he was in Arizona, I loved him. Fucking loved him. Like, he could shoot the shit out of it, obviously, but... Yeah, I'd say it's useful. That's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty it's useful. That's a lot of success. At least having him with your squad just brings that good juju, I guess. Uh, Steph Curry is the only player to win three MVPs in one season, pro. Now, 
there is a bit of an asterisk on it because it is the first season of the Western Conference Finals MVP, but sure. it is what it is. All-star MVP, Western Conference Finals MVP, and Finals MVP, useful or useless. Well, you, people could shove that all-star MVP up their asses, but the other ones are very, very important. So, yeah, I would say it's useful for sure. I just I hate the all-star game, as we all know, but I think it's 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 pretty I think it's pretty useful. It's pretty great fucking accomplishment that he stepped up at least in the Western Conference Finals and Final All Star. He could do whatever he wants. I think it is useless. Okay, and, nice. And the reason why it's nothing to do with Steph's performance. It's the first season of the Conference Finals MVP, so you haven't really had another opportunity for someone to match that because it's the first season of it. Now, you could match it with an All-Star MVP, a regular season MVP, and a Finals MVP, but considering the Western Conference Finals MVPs in there, if that was, award wasn't around, he wouldn't be the only player with three MVPs in one season. So that's where I think it's... Ah, uh, you, you tricked me, you prick. It's yeah. a, bit of a, bit of a tr- yeah, bit of a tricky one they did there. So, yes, he is the first to do it, but it's also the first season for Conference Finals MVPs. So, I mean, fuck it. Uh, that one was that music. I mean, soon we're going to have a a, a, a playing game MVP. Like, Jesus, come on, NBA. Yeah. How many MVPs no are we going to give out in one season? All right, last one from me. Andrew Wiggins had 18 points, six rebounds, five assists, four blocks, three steals, and made four threes. Only player in NBA Finals history to ever have that as a minimum stat line, useful or useless. Use fucking less. Give me a fucking <laughs> break, folks. Give me a fucking break. He did a lot, on, though. Man. He did a lot. He did a lot. I, I don't take a thing away from what he did this year at all. The guy was fucking phenomenal. But when you start throwing that one, that's sort of like saying the first Italian on a Tuesday to make three threes in a, in a stretch when he had his hat on backwards. Yeah, I, that's a little stretching it. I'm going to say useless, but he did. I mean, he had a great stat line. Don't get he me did. wrong. Yeah, pretty useless. What are you going to say? Pretty useless over the top. Oh, over the you've top. been on his you, – you were the president of his fan club today. I'm surprised you went against him. Oh, uh, it's just useless to the extent of like I reckon the four threes is what – I reckon someone's probably done something similar to this without the four threes. That's just my okay. – Kirilenko had to have been close. Um in a finals, uh, in, in a playoffs, yeah. probably pro, pro, pro not NBA finals because he hasn't been to one, so that makes sense. But in an NBA finals, it's a small number of players, so you're not really competing. Yeah. I'm interested to know the stat actually over the course of the whole playoffs, not just finals. Well, actually, Jarebko put that in the sweet, had that in the Swedish Open six years ago, but they expunged it from yeah, all they deleted books, him. So. He's been cancelled. Yeah, His stats him. no longer yeah. exist. He's been, they, yeah, they had a Swedish chocolate bar named after him, and they fucking erased that shit too. All right, what do you got? Fact or fake news? All right, so Mike D'Antoni will be the next coach of the Charlotte uh, Charlotte Hornets. Fact. I mean, this late, this late. I wonder, I'm not that late actually, but I mean, most most teams have their coaches before they draft. <laughs> so. I think it's head coach late. Yeah, I think it's head coach uh, getting to head coach late, not assistant late. But a head yeah, coach because you want to have you want to have someone there, right? Um, although I think when I got drafted, we changed coaches between the lottery pick and the pick. <laughs> Sorry, the yeah. the draft lottery and the pick. So that was pretty close. So we went from uh, Terry Porter to Terry Stotts. But yeah, I think I think fact. I think this is the guy you got to go after. I mean, with that group that you've got, 
you know, there are some concerns. I bet you MJ has those concerns about this is an ill-disciplined group as it is and Dan Tony likes the ill-disciplined free-flowing style. So there'll be reservations there, but I think who else is out there? I don't think there's anyone there this late. Dan Tony's just sitting at home probably chilling with another, you know, 15 contracts that he's still owed. Uh, so I think <laughs> fact. You? Yeah, I think he's fact. I think I think they're going to make him. I mean, he was a finalist. He, you know, he's... He wants the job. He's obviously they don't have to fuck around to like convince him to take the job. He wants it. No one else besides the Philadelphia 76ers, but they got a coach, so they're not gonna hire him. So I, I see, I, I think he'll take it. I think they'll want him. Um yeah, he he's not really disciplined. They might they and again, he doesn't really care who you hire as his assistant, so they'll probably hire a couple of guys to to sort of just add some discipline to the staff, but I think that they need they need a style like that for Ball to really get it, and a lot of those guys overachieve in systems like that. And they, if there's any team that needs to overachieve, it's them. So I could see them higher, and I say it's fact. All right, Bogues, based on the playoffs in the finals, Draymond Green is public enemy overall, public enemy number one all time for the Boston Celtics, meaning all time villain that they had to play against. In the in the history of uh, the Boston Celtics, fact or fake news? Oh, it's gonna it's gonna be close to fact already. I think. Um, I think you know Magic, the Lakers, they'll hate there. I got one. Who? I got one. Bill Lambert, by far the most hated motherfucker. Oh yeah, on that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, but new but age. very close. Yeah, yes. fake, you're gonna, you're, I'm going to change my decision. i got to fake news. Lambie is one I forgot about. I was more thinking about from a finals perspective. But um, sure. I know the Lakers were up there, but it, there was, a, there was a, a a respectful hate between those two teams. Um, yeah, no, Lambie is definitely number one. Draymond's up there, though, because <laughs> I think the, 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 the receipt printing, the invoices that he's handing out, I think yeah. might, might get him there eventually. But if it's another season of that, they might – you know, all the stars would have to align. I'd love to see them in another final series though next season. It'd be, it'd be great. Um, but yeah, I'll fake, I'll fake news it based on, I forgot about the bad boys Pistons, yep. Dude, what he needs to do on his podcast is have like a cash register um, like sound going off and him printing out a receipt and just reading, <laughs> like reading like yeah. three, like three fucking tweets from like four years ago or two years ago or three months ago and just, I mean, he could get a lot of mileage out of that. No doubt. It's been fun. I like it. Yeah. Last one, Bogues. Um, Jeremy Grant will be traded on draft night. Fact or fake news? On draft night. Yeah, on draft night. Traded. I don't know. if Draft night's kind of pinning it down. It's hard to do on one day. I think it will be traded before the preseason, sure. before the season starts. Please. So I'll say, I'll say fake news on draft night, but I think he will be traded fact before preseason and – uh, here's why I think they got a, a lot of young players that need to develop that are similar positions to him. So um, I think the point where they signed him, it kind of half made sense. Um, but there's a lot of teams that could use him, man. A lot of teams that could use him. He's on a big salary, but I think they will try to move him on and they might as well go through Cunningham and just rebuild that squad and hopefully be good in three or four years. Yeah, I say fact. I say that he will be traded only because they'll attach that um, that pick with him. Um, they'll get Portland seven pick. I, I've been reading that, and that really makes. I, I have no intel at all. I'm just reading, and that does make sense. They're talking about Grant. Um, I don't know who's going to be exchanged, but it's going to be Grant, 
to the Portland and Portland's going to send over the seven pick to Detroit. They need talent there. And I think that they'll, they'll sweeten the pot to a certain point Portland would to get as much talent around Willard as possible, where Willard is going to demand a trade, which he'll probably demand a trade at some point anyway. So I think that they're going to try to unload that seven pick yeah, because the seven pick, you know, it'll be a good player for sure, but I think they'd rather uh, somebody a little bit more, you know, battle-tested could put up 19, 18, 19 a game, put them at Lillard, you know, a little bit size in that front, in that, you know, in that in that perimeter game. I say fact. We'll see. Who the fuck knows? But, yeah, that's what I got. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think he will be moved. He's been in the rumblings ever since he really signed there, which has been interesting. They signed him, and then yeah. within a year of his contract, like, oh, look, we, we might look to move him. Well, there were rumors already circulating, so pretty interesting to see if he – if he moves on, that wraps up our latest episode of the Basketball Series. Remember, give us a follow on social media. Give Pro a follow at Hoop Consultants. And just for all our listeners out there, the Basketball Series, which is weekly, we're going to be taking about a month break, so we'll be off for the month of July. It'll be pretty quiet anyway. Obviously, the draft happening in the next week or two and then some free agency movement, um, but we most likely will not have a pot out for the month of July unless something drastic happens uh, and we have to do an emergency pod for an hour. We will, but otherwise, we'll be back around about August, so uh, I'm going to give Pro a, a nice little holiday and I'm going to go on a little hiatus and enjoy the weekends a little bit more, but uh, check back with us in August and check out the Jay Sean Tate interview in full, which will be right after this podcast ends. It'll be the next one down, so give that a click and enjoy. Thanks, bro. Thanks, folks.